in to the latest edition of Blackhawks on Ice. I'm David Schuster, and this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings and more from our sponsor in just a bit. On this broadcast, we'll recap the Hawks' home opener against the Islanders on Tuesday night. We'll have some post-game reaction and a special interview with Mr. Les Grobstein. Now, the Hawks came home Tuesday following an opening three-game road trip. And even before the game started, the capacity crowd was treated to first a festive opening night with all the players being introduced with, of course, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze getting the biggest cheers. Then came an emotional video presentation paying respect to the recently departed Tony Esposito, who passed away at the age of 78. Fellow Hall of Famer Chris Chelios then asked the fans not for a moment of silence, but rather for the chant that Esposito used to hear as a player, namely, Tony, Tony, Tony. And it was all pretty moving. Then the game started and the Hawks came out fast with the first six shots on goal. And after one period, they had 17 shots on net. But then in the second period, Anthony Beauvillier beat Marc-Andre Fleury. And after two periods, it was 1-0. We then went to period number three and the Islanders struck again at the 48-second mark with Oliver Wallstrom making it 2-0. And then Wallstrom followed that up, scoring again at 8:51, and the route was on. And the floodgates opened up as Cal Clutterbuck then scored a few minutes after that, beating a frustrated flurry. And at that point, many in attendance proceeded to leave the building. Mackenzie Enstwistle avoided the shutout, scoring at 1934 of the final period that made the final score 4-1 to with the Islanders winning their first game on the season. For the game, the Hawks outshot New York 40-29, to but Ilya Sorokin was almost perfect on the night. He just missed the shutout and came away with the victory. Let's go to the postgame now, and let's hear from the captain, Jonathan Taze, who tries to find the silver lining in a dark cloud talking to a room full of reporters. Jonathan, I know you had the start to the game you wanted, but to, to lose another one, you've been outscored 15-2 to two at 5-on-5 five five this season. Where, where's this team's head at right now? Uh, well, we're not looking at it that way, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we just, uh, we probably didn't deserve to come out on top in any of the first three games, but today, um, you know, if a couple of those go our way early on, uh, we feel it's a different game, but... You know, I think mean, we'll just we'll find that consistency as a team. We'll settle in, and I think when you, I think every team goes through a spurt during the year where you, you know, have four, five, six games that don't go your way, and nothing really feels like it's rolling downhill for you. So I think, uh, you know, if we look at it on the bright side right now, it's it's frustrating, um, no doubt. But you know, whenever you go through that, you, you have a choice, and the only choice for us is just to to keep working through it and to look for solutions to get better because of it. So. Um, we'll take advantage of that. How much harder is that when it's the first four or five, six games of the season as opposed yeah, to somewhere in the middle it's of the more, year? It's more obvious, for sure. Uh, no one wants to start the season that way. Um, you think you're digging yourself a hole, but it's it's a long year. So, um, you know, we'll focus on the next one. Play, there's a lot of good things that we could kind of carry into the, carry into the next game, and we'll just uh, we'll focus on that and, and find our confidence and find our just start connecting as a team. How have you felt not the games have gone on? How have you felt through these first four? Uh, no doubt I got work to do. Um, you know, I think there's a, a little bit of, of when the team game kind of settles in and, and you let the puck do the work, uh, the shifts aren't as hard, but uh, there's definitely some conditioning I need to keep chipping away at, just, just recovering and taking care of the body and getting ready for the next game. And um, So, yeah, definitely not where I want to be yet, but... 
still got to find a way to go out there and contribute and do things um, on both sides of the puck for the team. Was it hard not to press going into the third period, feeling like you guys outplayed in the first two? Uh, no, I mean, I think we had the mindset of being patient. Just a, a couple, you know, turnovers ended up in our net, so it happens. What was this like for you to, I guess, they'd have that introduction and be back there officially? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a special moment, um, you know, um, just to be back in front of the fans, I think, for everyone on the team, not just myself. Um, you know, I, I think everyone was looking forward to having fans back at the United Centre and um, wish we could have given them more tonight. But, you know, it's nice to see a, a packed house here in Chicago and, you know, it's kind of... It's been a while since we've seen that, so. Is this a case where you just ran into a, a hot goalie? Do you feel like this loss is a little different from the previous three? Yeah, I think overall, we, as I said, we, we played a lot better, did, did much more to, to create offense, and you know we had a chance around the net and just couldn't find the back of the net, so. You know what? I forgot. No, it kind of went wrong in the third period. On the other hand, it just let them sort of take over. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't feel like we're pressing and, and changing our game too much, but, uh, you know, a couple of tough turnovers ended up in the back of the net, like I said. So So Taze remains semi-optimistic, but the fan base is getting antsy as the Hawks have just one point through their first four games, and they have been outshot 15-2 to at even strength through the first four games. All right, before we get to our interview with Les Grobstein, a word from our sponsor, NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, it's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And before Tuesday night's game, I caught up with a longtime friend and fellow worker, Les Grobstein. And simply put, we talked Blackhawk hockey. Les, what, what is your first memory of covering or even remembering the Blackhawks, even when you were a kid? What's your first memory? The first game I went to across the street at Chicago Stadium, the Blackhawks played the Red Wings. It was Bobby Hull, Stan Makita against Gordie Howe and Alex Del Vecchio. And uh, Bobby Hull scored two goals in that game. The Hawks were ahead. And then uh, they pulled uh, their, uh, the Red Wings pulled their goalie, Roger Crozier. The Hawks had an extra attacker. And with two seconds left on the old clock that they used to spin around, it wasn't digital. And Alex Del Vecchio scored. That scored the tying goal. And Glenn Hall, who still remembers it to this day because I've talked to him about it, he took his goaltender stick and smashed it on top of the net. And they ended up with a tie. 
the next day they, they it was a rarity. They usually played it on the road on Saturday and at home on Sunday. They went to Detroit the next night and they actually won. And Doug Barkley, a veteran player, was injured in that game. He never played another game. But the first NHL game I ever saw was Gordie Howe and Alex Delvecchio against Bobby Hull and Stan Makita. Oh, and they still had Phil Esposito, too, by the way. Oh, you only just said five Hall of Famers. Unbelievable, your very first game. All right, let me ask you, I bet you did the same thing that I did when I was a kid. Saturday nights. It was the original six. I mean, the Hawks would play either Toronto or the Rangers or Detroit, what have you. And I'll bet you stayed home on Saturday nights and watched those games. A lot of times I did, no question. And it was to uh, listen to Lloyd Pett, Pettit call the games. Of course, no home games were on TV in those games because Arthur M. Wartz and later his son, uh, uh, you know, neither one of them would allow home games to go on until the uh, league forced them to carry games. And so because they did that, they put the games on local TV to try to stick it to the league. They said, all right, we're going to put ours on with it. And then the league finally forbid them from doing that, too. It was, it, was a, it, was, it was really ugly. All right. When I was a kid and my father brought me to an occasional game, if Bobby Hull scored a goal or something like that, the, vo- the, the decimal level in the building was as loud as anything I've ever heard. Do you remember that as well? You could hear it all the way up in Milwaukee, <laughs> which ironically he owned the Milwaukee Admirals years later on. No, it was, it was spectacular. Um, and then uh, they were in the playoffs several times. The most memorable was 1971. I was at every home game, and I was actually working those games. I was covering them. I was stringing those games. And uh, Al Melgard, the organist, allowed me to sit in his little booth there during all those games. And it was kind of neat. But uh, they played Montreal in the finals that year. The home team won each of the first six games. The Hawks won all theirs across the street, and the Canadians were, they, they couldn't beat them in the forum. Uh, actually, the league wouldn't let them uh, win in the forum. Bottom line is they came home, they had a two to nothing lead in game seven, and Bobby Hull hit a shot that hit the crossbar, caromed out of there, went out to center ice, the two teams were on a line change, and Jacques Lemaire, he nailed it from center ice, midway between the red line and the blue line, and it knuckled over the shoulder of Tony Esposito, who never saw the puck went to the net, cut it to two to one. Then the Hawks came back, and uh, Bobby Hull again hit the crossbar. And then eventually, Andre Richard, he scored a goal to tie the game. And in the third period, again, a bad line change. And uh, to this day, Bobby Hull blames the late, the late uh, coach, Billy Ray, for uh, pulling everything in. He had some old players that were over the hill playing, but he had no business being on the ice, including Eric Nesterenko and others. And what ended up happening was it was one-on-one. Keith Magnuson was back there, and uh, Andre Richard went in, ran around him, and put it past Esposito, and it ended up 3-2. to two. And there were a couple of other shots by Bobby Hull and one or two by Makita that hit the crossbar, hit the post, and Montreal got out of here with a 3-2 win. Yeah, and also, if I remember correctly, wasn't it really foggy off the no, ice? No, that is a ruse. That is a, that, Did that happen? That was a bunch of baloney. They already had air conditioning in. There was no fog. And anybody who said that, uh, that uh, Tony Esposito lost the puck in the fog, that is bull. There was no fog. All right, fair enough. All right, let's zip ahead uh, to when the Hawks won the three Stanley Cups over those six-year period. You and I were at those together. We were all, at all of them in Boston, Philly, and then, of course, back here against Tampa Bay. What are some of your recollections of that mini dynasty, if you will? What was cool about the games against Philadelphia, 
That was only the second time the Hawks ever met the Flyers in the playoffs. The first time was in 71 when the Flyers were still a couple years uh, short of being an expansion team, and the Hawks swept them four straight. In this series, uh, it was tied two games apiece. The Hawks won game five at home, and as you recall, that was a wild game number six in Philadelphia, and there were a lot of Hawk fans there, maybe about 1,000. The rest of the people were all orange-clad Flyer fans. And the goal by uh, Patrick Kane, nobody saw it go into the net in overtime. I didn't see it go in. I guarantee you, you didn't. You were probably in the elevator on the way upstairs. No, actually, I was on, uh, we were in the hallway because they lined us up before they went into overtime for, you know, in case the Hawks won. And so, yeah, we were down the hall and then, you know, we saw it on this little nine-inch TV or something like that. And then they led us out onto the ice. So it was pretty cool. The goaltender and Kane were the only two people that actually saw it go into the net. I didn't. I thought, well, they're going to have to review this. Then when we saw the replay, that puck was clearly in the back of the net, and I figured, this is over. They just won a Stanley Cup. Yep, and then, of course, a couple of years later, Boston. They shocked them. Uh, they were down one goal. They got two goals in the final, uh, what, 14, 17, 17 seconds. seconds and stunned the crowd in uh, Boston. And then the time they finally won it at home here in this very building, uh, they beat Tampa Bay in game number six after they won game five in Tampa. I was at that game, and they won that by a score of two to one. And then they came back, and I remember a couple of uh, Hawk fans as I was driving toward the airport said, have the Blues a game so we can come back uh, here. And I go, are you out of your mind? I said, you're nuts. And... uh, said, no, it's all over when they win this thing in Chicago, which they did. All right, final thing here. You know, we've both been covering Hawks and hockey for a long, long time. What is it about hockey players that makes them so congenial? I mean, they could beat each other over the head back in the day. They don't do that that much anymore with five minutes to go in, in, a, in a regulation or overtime. But then 10 minutes later, they're as congenial as anything that you've ever seen. What is it about hockey players? Well, Bobby Hull and John Ferguson hated each other. Right. And John Ferguson, he was just a jerk off the ice, everything else. Mostly because most of the players are Canadian. Right. They're not American. The American guys, let's face it, you can talk baseball, football, basketball. They're not as congenial as the hockey players. It's plain English. And we thank Les Grobstein for his time with that nice interview. Now, next up for the Hawks is a game on Thursday night against Vancouver with Patrick Kane being celebrated for playing 1,000 games in the NHL. Once again, this has been Blackhawks on Ice. We do appreciate you listening. and We'll be back following Thursday night's game. <laughs>